Pizza. Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. One may call it the marathon matchup show edition every single week, Thursday, late morning. And this is one of only three that we have left. So buckle up. Let's have some fun. Break down all 11 games on Sunday's main slate. I'm Dave Lockren at Lafay underscore D. For those of you listening in podcast form, that's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. At all social media platforms, I think. I don't know what Insta- Instagram is probably the same. And Matthew Savoka at Draftaholic. Yeah, you get the Matthew coming in hot. The today. full name? My grandmother calls me that name. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, visiting. Uh, are you are you visiting family? Is it the girlfriend's family? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, it's the future in-laws out here. There, they've accommodated me well. No complaints whatsoever. Good. They better. You're a good man who can <laughs> sing like a motherfucker. Anyway, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Of yeah, course. no, it's been good out here. But uh, yeah, three slates left tomorrow. So if you're listening on Thursday, this, we record this on Thursday. Uh, I know a lot of you guys listen throughout the week. If you're listening after the fact, happy to have you guys here as well. Leave a comment down below. I read them all all the time. Every single one and try to respond to them or if you're listening now and you're wondering when we're getting saturday content for the two christmas day games well matt and i got you covered because we got the strategy show for saturday's slate that'll be christmas eve morning at 8 a.m eastern again you can listen to that after the fact if you'd like maybe you're traveling to pop that on tell the tell the wife and kids hey throw your airpods in i got something to do this morning as you take a trip out to your in-laws, that makes sense. Uh, and then we'll have a lot of content. I think we have, do we have one? How many shows do we have on Christmas day? And we just continue to churn out content around here. We have a and ton of stuff. We have NBA live before lock, right? We got NFL yeah. stuff. I'll be on there. Absolutely. And, and can I just say too, Matt, I think you'd agree with me here, right? If it is Christmas day and you're watching, Show some love to to everyone doing those streams because they're working on Christmas Day, and some of them may just have nothing better to do. But even if that's the fact, Matt, they're still working on Christmas Day. Hey, hey, I'm happy to do it. I, I'm thrilled to do it. Honestly, you guys are the best. And uh, honestly, we should say shout out to the people who are here live in chat. You guys are turning into an amazing community. Shout out to you guys, especially this week, who snuck away from family to watch this live and grab whatever uh, whatever you needed. So I'm a Tulsa dog, says he's got a bottle of Henny and a shot glass. And depending on the number of times I say salary-based expectations, he'll be tipsy, drunk, or comatose. So let's <laughs> see how he feels at the end of this. We got no bye week, so it could be a lot. I love it. Oh, you're working Christmas Day. You're doing a show. Yes, sir. I'll be there. Okay, cool. I used to work Christmas Day every year when I was uh, a drug and alcohol therapist. And it wasn't bad. Like I would go in for the four to 12 shift, you know, so you get the morning out of the way. It wasn't bad outside of the fact that you're working with adolescents, like 14 to 18, right? Many of them are there for selling drugs, but they just like pled to possession charges. 
a lot of them were actual drug addicts. Hey, listen, some of the greatest kids you'll ever meet in your life. But it got tense and a lot of fights would break out on Christmas Day because no one wants to be in a residential rehab at 16 years old, Matt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It really makes you it really makes you count your blessings as well just to be here and able to to listen to something like this, go through something like the NFL. But absolutely, for it's sure. always uh, it's always a difficult time of year for some people. So uh, if you can if, if you can spread some extra cheer beyond your family, it's it's good to do so, especially this time of year. You always try and bring the positive. I love it. I, I, listen, I could relate to them. I, I, they were happy to see me. I, I spent it. I spent a Christmas in one of those places as well. So, you know, it sucks, but you get by it. It's one year of your life. Hopefully you turn things around, but that is what it is. We got football to talk about. So let's bring the mood up fellas and hit that thumbs up. If you haven't done so yet, greatly appreciate all of you who have stuck with us every single week of the season for these marathon matchup shows. So uh, let's close strong over the final you know, three weeks of the year. Hit that thumbs up. Help us combat the YouTube overlords. Of course, feed that algorithm. If you like this content, it only takes a second. And it really does help us continue to, you know, keep the lights on in the sense that we got so many good guys that work around here and that they deserve, you know, to, to, to reap the rewards of their hard work. And you can help us do that by subscribing and hitting the thumbs up. It's Christmas season. Fellas. I mean, what more can we say? All right. You ready to dive into this? Let's go. Very excited to do so. Oh, and shout out to Jordan Klein for producing the show. Could you ask for a better producer throughout the year? I guess no, you could. absolutely could not. I paused for a minute. I was thinking about it, but no, you could. It's <laughs> like, well, now that you ask, <laughs> no. this kid Especially sucks. Out, out in Los Angeles, he's always he's always available. And even though it's real early out there, he's always here for us. Appreciate you, man. And he says, Matt would tell the kids are not, they're not living up to their salary based expectation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an A plus uh, comment, Benny. Nice work. All right. Uh, oh, Jacob with the super chat. Holy shit. I just looked it up and Matt Savoka truly does have the voice of a God. Yes, he is on YouTube friends. And all you need to do is search that name. Plenty will come up. Jordan and I had some ridiculous. fun with that one day. <laughs> I saw a I'm duet. Glad. There's stuff out there, man. I don't control everyone's YouTube channel, and yeah, no. I, went to, I, I saw went, a cover I gotta... of um, what, what was that? What was the cover you did? You were sitting on a chair. Don't act like you don't know. Yeah. Just tell me. I have no. I have no. Uh, you're so full of it, man. Just <laughs> there's lots of football. I swear. What no, song was? Thank it? you, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, Matt, I, I did. I got a scholarship. It? I really have no idea. Okay, you were I doing a cover, and there's a guy playing the guitar next to you in front of a live audience. Uh, stay a while. That's it. Thank you. And what, when when I saw that, I thought maybe it was uh, Dave Matthews, Stay. But uh, it wasn't. It was a song I, I hadn't heard before. But it was good. It was very good. And Jacob says you should be on Broadway. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> look. Fergie and Jesus, great movie. Matt Savoka and ADOT, the musical, Stephen Leibowitz. This is this is all I could have ever asked for. This is my Christmas present. Here it is. What if, what if your tenure at Osimo springboards or reignites your singing career? You become rediscovered <laughs> through us 
and go on to be the next. I don't know. I don't know any of you those know, people. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. There isn't. A, there isn't an equivalent of a Millie Maker winner in the in the arc. I, well, I'll take that back. There probably are some roles out there, but hey, you never know. You never. Know. I appreciate you guys. This is ridiculous, but uh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, yeah. I went to school for it, and uh, I got a scholarship out there. It's been a, it's been a minute, but the video's still out there if you want to have some fun. All right. I actually thought some of them had some low view counts. I had coordinated at one point for Jordan to open one of our shows with them. And I was like, I'm not going to do that to him. The reason I mentioned the view counts is because I don't want to worry about a copyright claim. You know, I didn't want to worry about something like that. So if it was, you know, if, if no one knew it was out there, which apparently you didn't even know it was out there, it would have been fun to open that up. We should have done it as our intro music, Jordan. Oh, my God. We should, that would be so great. All right, one day. We need someone to make a, a rap remix of it and then send it to us. That would that would be fire. All right. You want to talk some football or do you want to keep talking about singing? It's up to you. I think we should just I think we should just get derail the whole no, let's do some football. We we got us some great games here. No bye weeks. And uh yeah, we have the Saturday slate, but some some really solid matchups. Yeah, let's talk some football. Let's kick it off with the highest total on the slate. The LA Rams laying two and a half against the Vikings in Minnesota, 49 and a half point total. Uh, Tuesday night football was odd for, for this, this Rams team, the whole game. What, what was the total 30 total? I believe uh, by, by game's end, but Cooper cup, how do we not start here? He is Matt as automatic as it gets. And I asked, I've been asking these guys over the past four weeks just to see if their opinions change when we do the Wednesday ownership match uh, strategy show. So I asked Matt uh, Gajeski and I asked Eric Lindquist, where would you draft him? And they're going top three. You gotta love it. That's how good this guy has been this year, man. I kind of agree, but I will say in the back of my head, I'm glad we started here actually be and talk about season long for just a moment, because in the back of my head, when I'm drafting in season long fantasy football, especially in the first round, if I'm considering a wide receiver, I usually have the ceiling in my head for the number of wide receiver one weeks, like the absolute best case scenario as about eight of the 16 weeks that they, they could theoretically play in a season. Um, about a 50% rate if you're including a 17th week. So you want to get to eight weeks if that's the best draft pick as possible. Cooper Cup is already at 12 wide receiver one weeks. I don't think you really get the type of season in terms of consistency from wide receivers at any kind of clip. You usually see zero wide receivers with 12 wide receiver one weeks. So I don't know if I'm not going to say the wide receiver one overall year isn't replicable. It obviously is. But I think the number of wide receiver one weeks he's had this year is absolutely insane. I think next on the list is Debo Samuel with seven. So having five more than every wide receiver, that probably doesn't happen again. So I'm still a mid middle of the first round, back of the first round guy for Cooper Cup. Back of the first round? Probably not. Like I'm not, I'm not going to get any of them if I go there. No, no but chance. Robert Woods is coming back. Or it, I want Cooper Cup in best ball, so I'll, I'll probably have have to just adjust to ADP. But 
just focusing on this game, Minnesota's defense has not been strong against opposing wide receivers this year. They are below average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. In fact, they're third worst in the NFL up to this week, and they're a pass-funnel defense, meaning it's easier to pass on them than it is to rush on them. So I don't know how you go away from Cooper Cup. He's the obvious best play on the slate, and uh, it's not even close. It's really not even close. No, it's not close at all. Cooper Cup is an extraordinary specimen, and I don't at this point understand how he does it. But when you have double-digit targets in all but one week, in the one week you don't have double-digit targets, you had nine. And that was against Houston, where they didn't even need him. It's it's I, I don't know, man. Every single he has ninety plus yards in every week, but week four he's he's impossible guy to get away from one two three four five wait no one two three four sorry five yeah five multiple touchdown games it's stupid and he gets open in the middle of the end zone as well like that shouldn't happen when you're at the six yard line and he's just there with nobody around him he gets open extraordinarily easily. And yeah, there's nothing else to say about cup, but I do have something to say about some of these other guys. I, we saw last week or really two days ago, Tuesday week to close out week 15, we saw Odell Beckham, you know, really used conservatively. Same with Justin or Van Jefferson, five combined targets. Not only that, but these guys yardage totals were, were underwhelming as well. I have no problem going back to to one of these guys here if the ownership really is going to come in as low as we have it right now. I agree. I I still think that, you know, Cooper Cup is one of the best players we've ever seen right now, or certainly at the level. He's he's having one of the best seasons we've ever seen, no doubt about it. Yeah, his, his current peak is extremely high among all peaks in the NFL. So when you have that plus the solid offensive coaching of Sean McVay, I do think you are going to see fluctuations in the usage of the other players besides Cup, but I still want to bet on them in the DFS situation, especially against a defense like the Vikings, who are extremely susceptible to opposing pass attacks. We've already seen situations where, because of the play design, everyone on the defense is moving in one direction, either because of play action or because they're gravitating towards Cooper Cup. And then suddenly Odell Beckham or Van Jefferson is streaking down the field the other direction. I'm fine betting there. We have Odell Beckham actually ahead of his salary base expectations. And that's not the case for Van Jefferson. So it's actually Beckham and Higby who I'd be going to before Jefferson. But I'm not going to say Jefferson is unplayable or even a bad play at 5,500, especially if you're planning on stacking him with Stafford. Rams have a 21% top stack probability on our top stack tool for this week. 12% positive leverage score. Uh, The highest on the slate, no doubt. I mean, they're just in a great spot, and I want to get to plenty of them. The run game becomes a little bit more difficult, though, because Daryl Henderson returned from from the COVID-19 list. He had six carries for 23 yards. And Matt, I tell you, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not looking at this like it was just a conditioning thing or he wasn't okay. Maybe that was a little bit, but Sonny Michelle, 18 carries, averaged north of five yards per attempt. He's now done that in two of his last three games. Uh, and he's got significant workloads. This could be getting away from Daryl Henderson, or 
as Sean McVay stated prior to Tuesday's game, which take it with a grain of salt, that they're essentially running the hot hand approach with these running backs right now. And that is pretty scary, which means I'm probably going to do what I can to look elsewhere unless I want to get a little exposure in large field tournaments. It's a, it's a tricky spot in the backfield for LA. Yeah, there's probably not a huge need to get there in small field tournaments or cash games for sure. You don't need to play these running backs who, as you said, are sort of turning into the, the dreaded by committee hot hand approach that Sean McVay is alluding to there. Still, in large field tournaments, when I see teams with this high of a top stack probability, and I know that ownership is coalescing around certain wide receivers, and honestly, Matt Stafford's 8.5 projected ownership, uh, projected ownership is second among quarterbacks as well, then I can make the running the argument for the running backs being a solid large field contrarian pivot. Henderson right now is coming in with a 4.3% projected ownership, and Sony Michelle is at 3%. And I think that's really interesting because Michelle could easily easily outtouch Henderson again here. So I might take some large field tournament shots on Michelle, but that's based on the defense they're playing and the popularity of the wide receivers and quarterbacks, not necessarily because I like either player in a vacuum. Right. I hear you on that. And we'll wait to see what Tyler Higby's status is. Um, at this point, you want to sprinkle him into some stacks if he's active. I don't see an issue with that, but uh, it's been an, an unfortunately disappointing season for Higby. His salary, however, at a weak tight end position, once you get down into this range, is reasonable. It's 3800 You could do worse than that. But um, just because he's on a high-powered offense, it's going to be in the red zone a lot. What are you doing with the Vikings? I love the idea of running things back with Dalvin Cook, if you can afford it. Already seeing it in the chat as a option from this game. Absolutely here. Didn't have the insane game from week what was it week 14 where he absolutely went nuts on the pittsburgh steelers but dalvin cook's 21.1 expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks is first on the slate among all running backs his 8300 salary is not too high for me the projection is right there you're gonna need about a 24 and a half 25 and a half point game to feel like you got value from him there but i think that's very very doable here the rams defense isn't bad by any stretch but it isn't nearly as good as it was a year ago in fact it's right at league average in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses so with players like dalvin cook and justin jefferson and the, the high stack value of the other team on the other side i'm going to be getting to plenty of them i'm really hoping that adam thielen plays in this game it did not look good when we saw those videos of him warming up and then clearly they shut it down very, very early uh, pregame for him on Monday night. But I would like to see Thielen. Right now, He his salary is uh, 6900 That is That's pretty high, but I think he's still a great tournament play if he's in because I don't think the, the ownership will be very high at all. Just curious, what room are you in in this house? <laughs> I am in a, a guest bedroom right now. Okay. Now, was that tree already there, or did you do some uh, little placement prior to, to these shows? In all seriousness, this chair and this tree were already there. I just had to turn a little bit. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic, right? Man, they're accommodating. They did, did they know you were going to be doing shows and they even set it up like, here, check this out. It's a nice little background for you. I, I don't know if that was the thought there, but it might as well have been. Huh? Well, they did well, intentionally did. or stumbling into it. Props to the future in-laws. <laughs> Do you think Thielen Truly. plays? 
I hope so. Here, the fact that he was a game time decision and the fact that they had him out with the training staff trying to go full speed on his routes, which, by the way, the footage I saw on social media, he clearly couldn't. That that means he's getting closer to playing. I, I think it's possible. I, I'm going to put the odds at 60%. Yeah. Where are you at Probably. then on stacking Minnesota and running it back with, like, Cooper Cup? It's that's it's gonna mad. be a far less popular approach. I'll say that much. I don't usually like stacking Kirk Cousins that much because his top players can get there without Cousins getting there. He's he's probably good for 18 or 19 points. That's pretty good, but it's just not winning you any big tournaments in you know in large field play. So usually I want to stick to one or two of the big three of Cook, Jefferson, or Thielen. You could probably throw in Tyler Conklin or KJ Osborne to that mix here, but I kind of like them more as one-player runbacks this week, especially with the Rams being so high in our top stacks ranking. Um, in top stack value, Minnesota is ninth right now. That's not unplayable on a 12-game slate, but it's it's not somewhere you need to go if you're only making, say, three to five lineups. So the Chargers are on the road, Matt, 10-point favorites against the Houston Texans, 46-point total here. Now, we got word yesterday that Austin Eckler has been placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Well, that's pretty big news. Jalen Guyton as well, but I mean, small potatoes, as they say, compared to Austin Eckler. If Eckler ends up sitting, Justin Jackson becomes by far the chalkiest play of the week unless we get some other crazy stuff but i have a very difficult time believing that that justin jackson is not going to be the highest owned player across the board matt against houston as 10 point favorites i just i don't see how that's not the case and honestly i don't see how i'm not going to want a good amount of it yeah absolutely right now with justin jack justin jackson's current salary not it has no idea that Austin Eckler had a chance to be placed on the COVID-19 list, meaning that he is a free square here. 4,200, running back 39 on this slate. We haven't yeah, Hold on, well, I'm sorry, real the- quick, real quick, though. This is what's weird. They should have preemptively moved him up anyway based off of last week where you could tell that they were clearly trying to manage Austin Eckler's workload. I talked about that on the strategy show or on the Live Before Live. I said, you want to get crazy, play Justin Jackson. And... He, he saw 13 for 86, Matt. So, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but they should have priced him up even if this was just a, okay, well, we saw what happened with Eckler last week. And they didn't. And now he's basically still minimum salary. Hey, I saw that. I saw that awesome holiday party lineup that went absolutely berserk in that yeah. Chiefs Chargers showdown. Justin that was, Jackson, That was man. hell of a lineup yeah. with that uh, Justin Jackson and Kelsey at captain. Thanks, yeah, bro. no, absolutely here. The uh, the Justin Jackson play makes a whole lot of sense. We have him projected inside the top 20 running back. So 4,200, just press go in cash games and likely small field tournaments. If you want to strategically fade a player like that, sure, go ahead. But uh, we're going to see his ownership skyrocket probably to the 18 to 20% range if Austin Eckler is ultimately ruled out in this game. But honestly, to me, this just makes me more in- inclined to use the passing game here. I want sure. Justin Herbert. 
I want Keenan Allen. I'll even take shots at Mike Williams, whose salary finally makes some sense. If he gets a couple deep shots here, he can easily outpace his 6,100 salary-based expectations. Yeah, the ownership is still creeping up there for him, or really for both players, they're between 11 and 15% ownership. I think I'm going to be over the field on both. They're third in our top stacks value ranking right now. I love that a lot. I'll say this. Justin Jackson would be a cash game lock. I would not even think twice about that unless again, crazy stuff happens in the, in the lead up to Sunday, he'd be a cash game. lock. you're basically getting a minimum salary running back. That's going to get a lot of work as a huge favorite with a very high implied total. I still have no problems with him in tournaments, but I think, yeah, the best pivot, the best leverage off of a really highly owned Justin Jackson is just go straight to the passing game. There's no doubt, man, that when you have Keenan Allen and you have Mike Williams and you've got a ton of studs, even even um, Jared Cook. And and I, I hate this. I hate to, you know, be this guy, but I, I have a tough time believing that Donald Parham is going to to be playing this week after that odd odd injury and, and scary injury. He hasn't been practicing yet. I don't think he will. That helps Jared Cook quite a bit. So if you ask me, or clearly if you ask Matt. Oh, and, and not only that, you take the best pass catching back in the league off of the field in Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think I up. think Jared Cook makes, uh, makes a lot of sense as a short area beneficiary of Eckler being off the field. Now, obviously, we'll see Jackson get some targets. We might even see Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly mix in more often here. But with Parham out and Eckler out, I don't see how you get away from Jared Cook, especially because his salary is still 3,500, 14th among tight ends. Uh, you know, we're not even seeing his ownership that high right now. I wonder if this gets higher by Sunday, but right now, six, six and a half percent projected ownership, tight end six. That's a great spot to go. It's a great spot. It really is. Uh, and Guyton, too. That might, it's not a huge deal, obviously, but. God, how concentrated of a target share uh, of targets are we going to see here if he's out as well? It's going to be. Could this be that that uh, Keenan Allen twenty target game? We saw a couple massive target games in twenty twenty, really for Keenan Allen. I wonder if this this happens here. A lot of those games were when Eckler was injured with that hamstring injury last year. I love it. I love it. I love this whole team. Uh, I want to get a, a, an insane amount of exposure to the Chargers if Eckler's out. If Eckler plays, though, and we have to at least talk about this because it's possible that he does play. He's not officially out. If he plays, I'm kind of worried about his workload altogether because if we saw last week he was limited in a game that they could have won and only saw 12 carries and 16 total touches, which in that type of spot is low for him, especially when Jackson sees 13 carries. I, I do have some reservations about, about Austin Eckler at his price point, but it's a great matchup. So which way do you go on this? I mean, in a large field tournament, it's almost the same exact argument we were talking about with the Rams running backs. When the stack, the passing stack of a team looks popular and they're in a great spot against a bad defense, in larger field tournaments, it's fine to flip that and go with the running game. But other than that, I think you're staying away from Austin Eckler this week. Kind of agree. And, well, 
if Brandon Cooks, who is also on the COVID-19 reserve list. By the way, Jordan, I got all this stuff in there if you want to throw some of that in the low. Not sure if you have been, but oh, yeah, you already have been. My guy. Uh, he's on the COVID-19 list as well. That That's just not good. And, and Matt, can we please, can we please give a round of applause to the once again unheralded season of Brandon Cooks with Davis Mill, Mills and Terod Taylor at the helm. This guy is going to go over the thousand yard mark once again, which he's done in all but one season over the past, I think, seven years. Brandon Cooks is one of the most underappreciated wide receivers in the league. And I mean that. I think that's a great call. And you have always talked about this. The guy has taken some huge hits, but. He bounces right back. He comes back. He's only missed a couple games in his entire career. And I think he also gets a bad rap because he got traded multiple times. But did you guys notice what he got traded for all those times? First rounder, first rounder, yeah. first rounder. People needed those services. Great point. You know how many games, he, regular season games he's missed since 2015? Three. Three. Good guess. Three games. He's gone over a thousand yards in all but one season. That was that crazy, strange season in 2019. Remember with the Rams? Mm -hmm. uh, and then ever, I remember people in my fantasy football videos when I said Brandon Cooks is your best, you know, late middle round. Or actually, no, Brandon Cooks was going after the tenth in some spots this year. Yeah. And they said, "I will not touch him." Horrible pick. He can't win leagues for you. Well, if you played Brandon Cooks last week. Guess who's winning <laughs> leagues for you? Brandon Cooks. And, yeah, you know, sure, the knock was he's always played with good quarterbacks. He's played with Drew Brees. He's played with Tom Brady. Jared Goff, I wouldn't say he's that good, but 1,200-yard season. And now you got him with Deshaun Watson last year. Well, Davis Mills this year, and he's going to easily, assuming he stays healthy and he's on the field, easily eclipse 1,000 yards, Matt. I just wanted I just wanted to shout out Cooks because I was thinking about that the other day when I watched him run in his second 40-yard touchdown of the day, <laughs> that this guy's damn good, but no one ever talks about how good and how consistent he is every single year. That's all. Anyway. And now he – he was he placed on the COVID-19 list? Is, is that correct? He, no, he, that's what I'm saying, if he plays this yeah. week. Yeah. But so he still has he a chance play. to play. It, would you agree that this might be death knell status when you lose Brandon Cooks from this offense? You may just not have anybody worth playing. Uh, because that's sort of the first the first yeah. macro thought I have about Houston. In fact, that I, I, I'm worried about they get so conservative that they just basically want to rush rush their way out of this season, the, the Houston Texans do. And Cooks being out, in my opinion, just lowers the shootout potential of this fairly high 46.5 point total game here. I mean, I don't really want any part of Nico Collins or Chris Conley or Philip Dorsett or Brevin Jordan I, on a 12 game slate. Like, do you really need to go here? Do you need to go to a running back by committee on a team that is 10 and a half oh. point underdogs? Uh, unless you're in like the millionaire maker. Why is Rex Burkhead seeing more ownership right now than Daryl Henderson? Like one has way more of a chance to succeed here. I, I get it. He's technically a value play running back 20 in our projections, running back 31 in salary. I will be, way under the field. I may have zero Rex Burkhead. I've been saying this forever that if it's not Brandon Cooks, I don't want anyone from this team. Uh, so 
I certainly feel the same way this week. And if anyone tries to make the argument, you could do so. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But if you want to make the argument that Brandon Cooks being out is just going to open things up for Nico Collins and Philip Dorsett, who I have to people, most people didn't even know he's still in the league. It doesn't. 50% of Davis Mills passing yards went to Brandon Cooks last week. 50% of them went to Brandon Cooks last week. Both of his touchdowns, That he's the one guy. He's the one actual NFL player on this team. Uh, and at this point, I'm fading them. But if Brandon Cooks plays, it's still a kind of tough spot. They'll probably have to throw. I'm always fine with the Cooks run back, though. Always fine with the Cooks run back because, Matt, I like guys that get target shares of between 30 and 50%, depending on the week. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Let I might as well just go down the list and say which of the players we have that are technically in the playable range based on their projections. Nico Collins is playable. Philip Dorsett <laughs> is technically playable. And... That really is it. We don't even like Brevin Jordan at twenty five hundred. We don't. We don't he even, didn't even say play that. last week. And was it? Yeah. Was it the injury oh. or like the hand thing, or was it actually coach's decision? I don't even know. Yeah, and it just. I think it proves the point here that these are, especially for most players who are not max entering tournaments here, they're playing somewhere between one to five to twenty lineups. Zero Houston Texans. If Brandon Cooks does not play, makes a whole lot of sense to me. How about the Baltimore Ravens and the fact that, well, let me tell you a little something, Matt. I, I made some really good decisions last week, and I made some decisions that if tweaked, could have made a difference. Now, of course, I'm not playing Captain Hindsight here, and there's nothing worse than someone going, I would have won this tournament if I did this. It's like, yeah, well, so would the hundred people ahead of you that didn't come in first place. If they did something different, they would have. But my the, the stack that I had the most of was Green Bay with the Mark Andrews run back. However, Devontae Adams didn't have the greatest of weeks. And it never really occurred to me, even though I was loving Tyler Huntley just from a season-long standpoint to scoop him up and, and from Mark Andrews never really occurred to me why don't i just skinny stack huntley and andrews like you would do with a with lamar jackson and then run it back with packers but then at the same time you know you're running it back with Devonte adams anyway right unless you're running well i would say usually yes but over the last few weeks we've actually seen a little bit of a shift i know we don't want to talk about the packers too much here but we've actually seen enough opportunity go to Marcus Valdez Scantling to make it viable and of course he ends up with a big game for sure and all of my stacks had either Valdez Scantling or Alan Lazard in there more MVS than 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 Lazard because Baltimore secondary so bad at coughing up the big plays but generally speaking like and I, I, a lot of wise players sharp players are way better than myself have told me when you're and everyone does things differently but say you're setting groups and cruncher Oftentimes, as your runback option, you want a guy that's projected for a certain amount of points. Like you want one of the better receive, one of the best guys, and it's hard to get it. Sure, if you're playing 150, you might not have Adams and all of them as your runback, but the, the majority are always going to end with Adams as your runback because he has that, <clears throat> excuse me, 40 fantasy point upside. That, that's what I'm saying. Definitely. 
that that makes that makes all the sense. You know, one thing you mentioned too. Andrews is the tight end one. No, no, I was going to just toss this over to you. He's the tight end one on the season now, and his connection with Tyler Huntley is insane. Right. And I was thrilled to see Andrews have another big game to the point where if Huntley starts, I can still bet on Andrews to the like I would with Lamar Jackson. But what's really exciting is this was obviously they're playing the Packers, so they know they have to be aggressive somewhat if they have a, if they want to have a chance to win. First of all, I'm loving their play calling. I know it's super controversial with them going for it to try to win games. I'm 100% all in on those decisions by Harbaugh. I digress. What I loved to see was the amount of opportunities for Marquise Brown as well as Mark Andrews. And he doesn't have as big a day. He doesn't score twice. But Marquise Brown's having double-digit targets on a day where Mark Andrews is also getting double-digit targets is fantastic. In fact, I've been working on some breakout receiver models over at 4for4.com this season and all year long. One of those Ravens players was showing up on each weekly breakout list because Lamar Jackson was only capable of propping up one or one and Rashad Bateman. But Huntley got both of them in there. Not saying he's able to do that every single week, but they're playing the Bengals defense, not the best defensive unit in the NFL. In fact, they're sixth worst in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. I know Lamar Jackson is really, really good. And honestly, the shootout potential of this game skyrockets if he's able to play. But I am still able to bet on both Andrews and Brown in this game that has a fairly low total. I wonder if they make even better tournament options with Huntley in than if Jackson's able to play. I, Yeah, I think so. Mark Andrews is pulling very little ownership right now. He has back-to-back games of double-digit, not targets, double-digit receptions. He's stellar. He's a, the primary red zone or end zone threat. I, I I like Mark Andrews again this week. I really do. And, and I'm not really all that concerned if it's Huntley or if it's Lamar Jackson, because we know what Andrews is capable of doing. Now, in the ground game, I talked a lot about Freeman last week. Uh, of course, that was the game where they just decided not to give him any carries anymore. You know, they benched him. Like, what the hell? Crazy. The guy was sixth in looks over the last month, and then the moment I mentioned it, they're like, "Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for your services. We no longer need you." I mean, it is what it is. After that, I'm staying away from it. I'll take the L there. With Marquise Brown and these guys, you know, Brown was what 14 targets last game. I believe so. Yeah. You know what? You know what worries me though. Do you know what his longest reception was against the Packers? It was something like eight yards or something, right? Seven yards. Yeah. Seven yards. Well, that's is... fi- See, that's fine with me. I think that's rational coaching, right? Okay, you have a you have a backup quarterback who isn't able to unlock Marquise Brown deep. Okay, fine. Throw it a bunch over the middle to Mark Andrews to the point where the defense gravitates over in or into the center to stop Andrews, then whip a quick out to Mark uh, to Marquise Brown, see what he can do after the catch. Fine with me too, but it's not going to be fine if you can't create after the catch. Um, it's great for Andrews, but it's I don't know. It's just kind of funny because yeah, with, with Andrews, he actually is getting some some deeper targets, and Brown, who's the burner on that team, isn't. But I don't know. For me, it's mostly Andrews here, Matt. Maybe maybe you like some other guys. Are you getting the Brown or Bateman? Because for me, Andrews is the, the clear far and away top option, uh, even if Huntley plays or if Lamar plays. 
I honestly really like Brown too. Okay. Uh, you know, both players have projections right in line with salary based expectations drink. So I think that what you could really see is a rare double stack opportunity where no one's really going to have that. If Huntley plays, I think you're probably skinny stacking if Jackson is able to play here, but I'm honestly getting to Marquise Brown. I don't, I'm not scared of the Cincinnati defense that also has looked like a pass funnel this year in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I'm, it's those big three receivers for sure. I guess you could go to Latavius Murray if you think he somehow has jumped Devonta Freeman, but honestly, our projections still like Freeman a little more. I think at this point, maybe we just don't know. Maybe we have no idea. There, I don't think there's really any clarity there. What about with Cincinnati? I like Jamar Chase at his ownership this week. I'll, I'll kick you off with that, Matt. Yep, that's an easy one too. We're seeing Chase and Brown with a 6% to 7% chance of, or six, excuse me, 6% to 7% projected ownership. And both players have about a 6% chance of being in the optimal lineup. Obviously there's volatility that comes by the nature of their position, but Jamar Chase is one of those players who, if he had two 40 yard touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens, would anyone be really surprised with the way that secondary is depleted with they're just the lack of playmakers that they have on the outside. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that Cincinnati is going to have weeks where they don't, they don't hit, but they have three legitimate slate breakers in Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins. T Higgins is still in the top 15 in expected fantasy points among wide receivers on this slate. He's actually slightly ahead of Chase, but we know what Chase's ceiling is here. Uh, I, I actually really like him for tournaments, especially. Pro bowlers were announced yesterday, and Joe Mixon was one of the three running backs to be selected to the AFC team. You know who wasn't selected? Who? Well, did you see who was selected for running back? I did. I did briefly glance at it, but I don't. Okay. I didn't do you see not the big think, snub. Do you not think it's wild that Austin Eckler? was not selected guys get 17 touchdowns this season been absolutely crushing it went on the field yet somehow and i am a big fan of nick chubb somehow nick chubb gets in now i had someone say joe mixon someone tweeted me that joe mixon stole the spot from eckler Mick, Mick, mixon's had a fine season uh could you argue argue eckler over him yeah absolutely but i am arguing eckler over nick chubb who has been, I'd say, disappointing this season. I, it's that That is a snub to me. Uh, both players are great in, in terms of Chubb and Mixon, but Eckler's had the type of season that is a Pro Bowl-level season. Do we ever have... How often is it that we have players make all pro but aren't even a pro bowler? This could be a situation like that if Eckler is able to come back and finish strong. For sure. It's very possible. Now, Mixon... Uh, uh, Chubb to be fair, is over a thousand yards in 11 games, which is pretty crazy. But I do feel like Eckler played more. He's played more games. He's got more total. What does he have? 16 like or 1400 total yards on the season or something crazy. Feels like a sub. You know what wasn't a sub? You know who really deserved it and got in and I'm very happy for him? Kyle Pitts. That's pretty cool because he's like the one bright spot. And because of the fantasy community, we consider him a disappointment. No, the man is a 
freak. Oh, I was being like entirely that. sarcastic. No reason he should be in the Pro Bowl. Did he really? Did, did he really make it? And, and you're <laughs> mad about it? Kyle Pitts is a Pro Bowler. Yeah, I totally get it, man. This is where fantasy gets our minds all warped about the the effect that a rookie tight end is supposed to have on the NFL and what Kyle Pitts does. But he that did, doesn't make him a Pro Bowler. I don't make the rules here. I get I get it more than you do. <laughs> I'd have given it to Gronk, even though Gronk's played fewer games, man. I don't know. Actually, what that I... makes sense to me, too. That's like the Brady effect taking away from Gronk. They're like, no, you got those touchdowns because Brady made it right, easy right. for you. <laughs> None of it matters in the long run, right? None of this means anything. Whatever. But, yeah, Gronk has 527 yards and six touchdowns. And Pitts has... All right. I guess his receiving total, he's, he's got 847 and one touchdown in 14 games. Whatever. I'm getting off track here, Matt. But um, do you want to do anything else with, with Cincinnati this week? I'm fine playing any of those big three that I mentioned before. I'm probably not stacking with Joe Burrow. Uh, 14.7 expected fantasy points per game. That's not really spectacular here amongst quarterbacks. Um Probably, probably also going to take some shots on Tyler Boyd. His fifty one hundred salary is fine, but he is such he's he's far and away the third wide receiver. I am I almost wonder that in a just based on salary, if I want to get to the Cincinnati offense and I'm not playing one of Higgins, Chase, or Mixon, maybe CJ Uzoma at flat three K seems like a very very low salary option to do so. Let's keep it moving then, Matt. We'll go on to the, uh, sorry, Tampa Bay and Carolina. But before we do, shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. They're doing some crazy stuff, not even for the holidays. It's just, you know what? Let's 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 team up with Awesomeo and give everybody a free month of Awesomeo plus platinum, ninety dollar value. Every single tool on the site for every sport we have, all of them created, built, and used by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Awesomeo himself. I mean, if that's not a way to just get in and take the dive, I don't know what is it. You, all you have to do is sign up using our link in the description or the one that our producer Jordan Klein's about to throw in chat right now and use the promo code awesome. ready for this, where you will also get a hundred a hundred dollar match deposit bonus when you sign up. So sign up using the promo code awesome with our link. Got to use the link. Get up to $100 in a match deposit bonus and the free month of Awesome O Plus Platinum. Everything on the site for every site out there, every sport, every tool you can think of. I don't think I need to even say anything. I don't even need to tell you what prize picks is. <laughs> but I, but I will. say the word and people run. They should. They should. Yeah. I will tell you, though, because it's sick. You you make lineups based on player props. And, well, we have free player prop projections. We have Odd Shopper as well to make your decisions and your plays a lot easier. But, yeah, you're picking two, three, four, or five player lineups, and you're just taking the over or under. There's no juice on either side of them. It's awesome. And you can 10x your entry fee on a five-prop lineup. If you hit four, though, unlike your traditional books, if you hit four or five, you still 2x your money. Uh, you can still make money back on three of five. It is a very cool format. It looks nice too. The 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 experience for the user is so important to people, and that's why Prize Picks is great. Whether it's PrizePicks.com, the App Store, the Google Play Store, and the app, wherever you want to get it, 
check it out. Um, you can use cross sports. You want to you want to do a lineup with five and have football, basketball, and hockey in there. Go for it. All of that stuff should help you and definitely make you more profitable when you get that free month. But also, uh, if you're already over there, use the free player prop tool to make your best decisions as well. You'll hear from us in about 24 to 48 hours after you sign up to redeem your free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. So hang in there. We'll get it to you. But if you haven't taken advantage of it, uh, it is a phenomenal offer. $100 plus the free $90 month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Check it out, prizepicks.com, or download the app. We'll see you over there. All right, let's talk about Tampa and the um, Carolina Panthers. Another 10-point spread. Matt, I'm just going to set the table for you and let you rip here because I talked a lot about this yesterday. Chris Godwin, ACL, done for the year. Leonard Fournette, he's doubtful, but there's zero chance he's playing. They're debating whether or not he's going on the IR. So let's just consider him out. Mike Questionable. Or Mike Questionable. Mike Evans, Questionable. <laughs> Didn't practice yesterday with a hammy. That's looking sketchy. And Antonio Brown expected to make his return. And he just goes into a, it's like he stumbles into a battlefield, a bloody battlefield, Matt, with maimed, wounded soldiers, which else I should say teammates. Shouldn't use that <laughs> reference, but you get the point. Like he's walking back into this going, oh my God, what happened? We are decimated. And now yeah, he's, he's just got him and Brady. Right. It's that, uh, it's that scene from community where uh, Donald Glover's character comes in with the pizza boxes and everyone's on fire. Uh, that's a great meme. If you don't know, never seen community, about, but, uh, but good, Jordan has, Jordan I know someone in chat knows what I'm Jordan talking about. Uh, Mike Evans, I don't think is going to get a chance to play. And if that's the case, then Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown are stepping into 20 to 25% target shares easy. Like if they, if they combined for a 50 to 55% target share, no one should be surprised if those are the two primary weapons for Tom Brady. One thing I'm a little concerned about is do Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski in 2021 make up a strong enough receiving core to actually be a solid offense right now. I don't I don't know because when you have players like Godwin and Evans on the field, someone is bound to be open, especially when Gronk becomes your third wide receiver in that option, or excuse me, a third receiving weapon, I should say. Let's start at the beginning and say that Ronald Jones is chalk just based on his salary, 5,100. He is running back three in our projections. And the most likely outcome here is that Tom Brady is able to have a Tom Brady-like game against Carolina. And one of these two big, these big two receivers now, Brown or Gronk, have a big game. I just think there's a non-zero chance that there could actually be some struggles here for the passing offense. We certainly saw it last week. I know the Saints are a little different. Those teams know each other well, and they tend to have Brady's number, actually. But even here against Carolina, I could see there being a little bit of growing pains before ultimately figuring it out. I still think they win. I just think they may not have a huge offensive game. Mm. It's possible. I could be wrong. Well, no, no, no. You could absolutely be right without Godwin, Fournette, and potentially Evans. I, I think that might be the more reasonable side to take. For me, though, it all comes down to if if everyone's looking at this team that way, then then I'm probably going to do what I can to get a decent amount of them. You know, Gronk though is getting some ownership. 
Antonio Brown getting some ownership. The biggest thing, though, is whenever you can stack a Tom Brady team for that price without sky-high ownership, I'm willing to take a look. And let me just – can I just say real quick, if people want to uh, – last week, all right, fine. It was a horrible week. I get it. But you got a whole week to prepare for this. You get Antonio Brown back. They said he looks like he did before the injury. This is not Tom Brady of 2019 where Nikhil Harry and, and Jacoby Myers were his best pass catchers, right? Like, this is still Antonio Brown, who in the weeks he's played this year has been a top 10 receiver. This is still Rob Gronkowski, who remains one of the most dominant red zone threats in or end zone threats in the league, okay? And Ronald Jones is really not the worst backup running back in the league. He's just not a particularly good pass catcher. So let's let's not get ahead of ourselves in pretending that they have that like this is the the Houston Texans offense. That that's what I'm saying, Matt. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. They're fourth on our top stack value rankings. They're not 14th. Right. Yeah, they don't they don't fall off a cliff. I just think they're Obviously, we're talking about range of outcomes here. So their potential to fall off a cliff is significantly higher without Fournette, Evans, and Godwin. That's a big duh, right? I am going to say that you could say that Brown and Gronk have been effective or as effective as they are because of the gravity that Godwin and Evans usually, they usually are the defense's main focus here. I still kind of agree with you. Like we're, even though they're the, one and two options now, we're not going to see them suddenly fall off a cliff. I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah, we'll see where we go with this one. But as it stands right now, I don't mind getting some. It, it's very it's it's not common that we get some cheap Brady stacks. And it could be could be a lot of fun. Now, if Mike Evans plays, I'll probably have a ton of him as well. But um, the other side of this one, and, and like you said, Ronald Jones is going to be chalky. I have no problem getting there. It'll be interesting to see, though, if they lean on the pass because Leonard Fournette was getting so much work in the passing game that it, this the dynamic on this team becomes a whole lot stranger than it has been. It, honestly, I'm, this is the weird part for me. I would be all over Gio Bernard if he wasn't on the IR. I mean it. I really would. I think he'd, be, he'd have an eight-target game, but he's on the IR. So you've got Fournette. And then you have or Fournette out. You have Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard on the IR, Matt. And then you're looking at guys like Kenyon Barner and Keyshawn Vaughn and 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 Le- Le'Veon Bell. Maybe Ronald Jones is the 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 back that's out there for all three downs. He really does have a chance. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn has been a total bust since he was drafted in the mid rounds. Uh, I don't know how you you think of him as anything but a large field tournament play, honestly. As we continue to talk about this game, we could just see a situation where Tom Brady has a Tom Brady Bruce Bruce Arians level production still in this game because the Carolina defense is not one that really scares us at all, and the offense is just more concentrated than it's ever been. So I've talked about the downsides, but now if the production is anywhere near what they usually have, they were number one in team combined flex fantasy points right the the total points for for all flex players per game this season already if they stay near the top and they concentrate the offense even more that's game on for all the players jones gronk and brown no doubt 
Brown's price point is just stupid. I, I don't care. I'll have that guy everywhere. He's had one, two, three huge games already this season. He has one with seven for 63 on 11 targets. Yeah, dude, I'm, I don't need to say much more about it. Brashad Perriman's on the COVID list, too. If he's out, I don't know, maybe it's a Tyler Johnson type of game. What else do you have, Matt, for the Carolina Panthers, who could be without DJ Moore? He's being considered a game-time decision this week. Oh, man. Am I ready to be hurt again by Robbie Anderson? Robbie Anderson Don't is still popping in some of my punt play receiver models based on the amount of routes run per game and the fact that he has low ownership and low salary every single week. Cam Newton is the announced starter once again, but we could have a situation where he gets benched once again. The top stack probability is super low for this team, and if DJ Moore doesn't play, I... I suppose you could play Chuba Hubbard, but maybe you just don't. Maybe you just don't have a run back option. Maybe Buccaneers onslaught stacks are looking better than I thought after starting this game talk, talking about how I might be fading Brady. I mean, this Carolina Panthers team is a is a is a disaster. I will say Amir Abdullah is getting enough targets and has enough expected fantasy points where maybe he's my off the wall tournament play. What a mess. Matt Rule's now saying that Donald's going to get some playing time, even though Cam Newton's starting. All right. Get me away from this. Crap, oh, my man. gosh. Really? Did he really say that? Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> get me away. As then you quick can't as start possible. Cam Newton. Like, the only reason you do is because he's got rushing upside. Goodness gracious. This is how it gets sometimes in mid and late December, right? Because you got teams in diverging directions, teams that are playing for their playoff lives and teams that are just evaluating talent, which makes our job as DFS players much, much more difficult because I don't know how this target share breaks down. If DJ Moore is out, they probably just want to throw stuff at the wall and see if anything sticks for next year. Yep. Pretty much. I made um, a lot of pivots close to lock last week when Zach Moss was ruled inactive coach's decision because Devin Singletary, if you had looked at a previous week, while his production was less than stellar against Tampa, it was generally because they decided from the beginning that they were never going to attempt to run the football, but this team knows now they have to run the football. If they're going to win. I mean, that they know it. They know that the style of offense that they have tried to run, on multiple occasions this season has not worked for them. And you're down Tredavious White. Like, your, your defense isn't as stout as it was to start the year when you had all those cupcake matchups. So I said, all right, I'm going to play some Singletary this week. Low 5K price point, big favorites. Maybe he, maybe they start to lean heavily on him. Fortunately, they did. 22 carries. He played 93% of snaps, Matt. 93% of snaps. And I've got to tell you, I think they're going to go back to the run heavy. And I am more than willing to have you guys come back here and tell me I'm an idiot when I end up being wrong and they completely abandon the run game again. But I feel like this is one of those spots against the, the New England Patriots where you really should try to run against them. They're allowing 4.6 yards per attempt this season. The run game actually, or the run defense really has not been that good. And that has been the biggest uh, the biggest weakness for the, the New England Patriots. They're allowing, what, top 10, eighth most yards per game. 
Singletary could see another game with 20 overall looks. And I think after that embarrassing loss in the wind to the Patriots, where the Patriots ran 234 yards, didn't need to throw. They don't have a great quarterback. They have a decent rookie quarterback who manages to look good enough because they're smart at calling plays. They're smart at leaning on the run and catering to him. I honestly think this could be a big sing- a big Singletary volume spot once again. This is such an interesting call, Lafayette. I, I really, really dig the analysis because you're exactly right. We're seeing New England's defense be very highly rated overall. And in points allowed per play, they are the number one defense in the NFL. That's toughest for opposing offenses. But they're 25th in the NFL in yards allowed per yards allowed per carry. And over the last three weeks, they're 30th in that same wow. metric. So if you're going to beat New England, you're probably going to have to run effectively. And if Josh Allen's foot is still bothering him, then you are going to have to do what Buffalo doesn't seem to ever want to do, which is lean on a running back. So I dig the call here. Uh, I do worry about the shootout potential if that occurs here because you know New England's offense isn't interested in pushing the tempo or pushing the passing. This is one of those situations where team offensive grades and possible production really diverge because the PFF team offensive grade for the New England Patriots is number one in the NFL but they're not even close to number one in the NFL in projected production any given week. They're just playing efficiently for the talent that they're, that they have. So I'm really worried about this game, not having a ton of plays, but I do love the call. If you're going to move away from players like Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis, who especially with Beasley out and Emmanuel Sanders likely out probably is going to end up being a pretty chalky wide receiver. Why not go to a player like Singletary who is up around double digits and expected fantasy points and fits with the way that you usually beat a new England defense. That's where I'm at. I mean, look, it's not, this is not a lock it up type play, but Pay attention. You you need to know that Zach Moss is out. We can agree there, right? That, that Absolutely. Got to be an actor. Rita's does the handcuff. Right. But the fact that he's played 82 and then 93% of snaps is a good pass catching back and had a career high 22 carries last week. It tells me, and this was this was what I was hoping would happen. I, 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 I was hoping that, that you would see this against Carolina. I wasn't sure. Turned out to be correct. I'm thinking, though, that they might be turning somewhat of a corner. Not 22 carries every game for Singletary, no. But if he's on the field for almost all of the snaps, you'll take your chances at 5K uh, on a pretty good offense. Now, what are you doing with the passing game? I'll get to this this Minnesota news. I saw it. We'll get there in a second. But uh, what are you doing with, with the, the passing game for Buffalo? I'm fine playing Stephon Diggs. I think Gabriel Davis, especially if Sanders sits, no Beasley, no Sanders, they're going to need both Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox. And honestly, it's a situation similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We were just discussing it, except the number one option in Stefan Diggs is still very much available. So no, it doesn't look like a fantastic matchup for the Bills. You know what they were, you know what this passing game looked like the last time these two teams met. I give the weather a huge amount of the credit for that time. I think you can absolutely play Diggs at 7,600. I just think it's very obvious that 4,700 Gabriel Davis is going to be my favorite of the three. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the other side of this one, where do we, 
where do we go if anywhere in the past? I I don't think you can target the passing game for this team at all right now. At least I I don't want to. Oh, probably not. Probably not. And even the the running back core is hard to target because they the minute they get healthier, they turn into more of a committee than they were previously. So it's almost easier if one or multiple players is out for the running backs. I think with the with the wide receivers, you probably just don't play them. You still have Jacoby Myers when you look at expected fantasy points, and then you compare that to salary-based expectations. You still see Jacoby Myers as a solid value. But the only player I'm really interested in is the continued irrational touchdown upside of Hunter Henry. Clearly, they are using him to score touchdowns this season. I'm fine riding it, even though he's technically a negative regression candidate. I don't think you really need to go here at all in this receiving core. Uh, To be honest, I actually think the best play is probably just avoiding all players or maybe just playing Mac Jones if you think someone hits. I think it's a fool's errand trying to figure out who among them hits each week. Yeah, I, I don't have any disagreements there. I will say in the run game, Pay attention. Damian Harris, we saw him pull up on that that hammy against Buffalo a couple weeks back, and he missed last week. Uh, Did he miss multiple weeks? No, they had a bye in week 14, and then he still missed Mm -hmm. week 15. Limited participant yesterday in practice. If he sits, that could open the door for Stevenson again, but Stevenson missed yesterday, uh, yesterday's practice with an illness, apparently non-COVID. I didn't know those existed anymore, Matt. But I'm saying all of uh, Dalvin Cook just landed on the COVID list, and we'll talk about that. It's crazy. It's crazy. But Stevenson was a a colossal disappointment in that primetime, I think, yes, Saturday night game. You probably go back to the well here against Buffalo. No, let me rephrase. You definitely go back to the well here against Buffalo if Damian Harris is out or if Harris plays and Stevenson is out. Uh, like you said, if one of these guys sits against this Buffalo run defense, I'm going to be happily get to a decent amount of them. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Man, this Minnesota news is tough. We we gotta we gotta revert back to that game real quick, don't we? Yeah, um, play Alexander Madison, but he's not activated from the COVID list yet. Oh, that's right. No, he will be though, won't he? Yeah, he is. I hope so. Yeah, he, he is. is. He they is? activated okay. him yesterday. All right. Well, at least that makes gives us some clarity. This this is definitely tough for us, uh, us DFS players and content creators. But obviously, Alexander Madison becomes a smash play if in. So he's sixty eight hundred. What's he at on Fanduel? Let me just see where sixty eight on DraftKings. Fifty five on Fanduel. Lock it in. Lock it in. Cash plays for sure. And 16 on Yahoo. Definitely cash, but it's a tough matchup against the Rams, though. So I'm not looking at this as like an every tournament lineup type of deal. Not that you should with anybody, but um, yeah, FanDuel, that price is absurd. Truly okay, absurd. So we're kind of walking, we're kind of walking into a pretty, pretty easy cash game build for this main slate, which is which is somewhat gratifying since we've had some hard cash game builds. But with players like Ronald Jones and Alexander Madison opening up as chalk running backs, and then top-tier wide receivers like Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson also available to us. It does feel like we have a core of of cash game players pretty easily available on both. Don't forget about Justin Jackson if Eckler's out. 
That's true. There you go. Three sort of free square level running backs. Excellent. It's going to make not, for not great really, for injuries, but yeah, it's going to make for a really fun tournament site because if those guys are ultra chalky, all of them are, are, are all of them are fallible. All of them can have a bad game for sure. Madison Absolutely. least likely, but on DraftKings you're paying almost seven K for him, which I think is fine, but you get the point. Anyway, Matt, let's talk about Detroit and Atlanta. Hit that thumbs up too. We're at 68 thumbs up. Yeah, you guys hang out with us through this long show every single week. You're the greatest, whether it's podcasts, whether you're listening live, whether on YouTube after the fact, all the same. Cheers to all of you and Merry Christmas. We still got half the show to go, but just wanted to get that out there. And um, if you haven't subscribed yet, do so. If you want to check out free content on the site for tonight's slate, Matt Gajewski and I wrapped up a strategy show for the showdown earlier in the morning. We have a live before live for that tonight with Alex Baker, Ben Ross, and myself. So the single game showdown projections are free today at Osmo, uh, and the NBA player rankings are free as well. Matt, let's talk about Jacksonville and the New York Jets. Oh God, are we doing Detroit, is... Atlanta, or, or oh, my, oh my fault, my fault. You're right. Yeah, Detroit and Atlanta. DeAndre, they're six point dogs in Atlanta. DeAndre Swift is questionable, and Jared Goff might not play on the because uh, he's on the COVID list. They're coming off an insane, insane win against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, isn't that the most unprecedented win in NFL history? I think it was the largest victory by a team with less than two wins against a team with double-digit wins since the NFL merger. So It's amazing. Yeah, that, that result does not happen every day, folks. That's for sure. We're already seeing it in chat. We might be hitting the lock button on, on Amon Ross St. Brown against this Atlanta defense, who is third worst in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. Now, it takes the wind out of St. Brown's sails a little bit if Swift ultimately plays here, but St. Brown's being used all over the field. He was pop popping in at my punt play receiver model, no longer a punt play after his huge production last week. They were even using him in the backfield for traditional rushes. Hello, Debo Samuel of the Midwest. But I see his projection really, really solid compared to salary-based expectations at 5,600. His expected fantasy points over the last six, six weeks, 13.5 DraftKings expected fantasy points per game. That's 15th among all wideouts on this slate. So you can certainly play him at wide receiver 20. Josh Reynolds is still in that tournament option level at wide receiver 36. And then I can probably ignore everyone else. If you want to get off the wall and play Shane Zilstra against a bad defense like Atlanta, that's fine. Uh, probably not going to stacks. And if Swift does play, I will be right with the field. Because he can, he can rack up double-digit targets easily in this game. I know Jared Goff isn't that great, Matt. But if he's out, I'm off of every pass catcher from this team. I He's actually thrown oh, three touchdowns. What's up? I forgot that Goff might be out. Yeah. He might play, but he might not. Uh, he started coming down with symptoms on Sunday. I guess he was placed in protocol on Monday. Uh, so he could definitely make it back for Sunday. But listen, he's actually not been bad lately. It's, he has nine, nine to two touchdown interception ratio over the last four weeks, Matt. Two games with 20-plus fantasy points. I'm not playing Jared Goff. What I'm saying is that Jared Goff, believe it or not, 
right, is an upgrade in a huge way from Tim Boyle, who, my God, that that dude is bad. And and David Blau, whoever Dan Campbell, love that guy, by the way, decides to start. That's a big, big downgrade if, if Jared Goff isn't in there. So just something to pay attention to. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, Jared Goff has no problem dumping it off, especially without TJ Hawkinson in the lineup for the rest of the year. If his he will be leaning on Dondre Swift if that duo is available. Craig Reynolds otherwise could see some extra work if Swift isn't available. But yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, you probably don't have to play any Detroit Lions if Goff is absent. Well, yeah, and Jamal Williams was activated, so now it's like who between him and Reynolds is going to get the work? I don't know. I don't want to guess either. Probably true. They've shown, shown a propensity to give anyone but Jamal Williams work in the passing game. Yeah, that's fair. But Williams was out last week is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So what about Atlanta? You like Cordero Patterson this week against this Lions team, this upstart Lions team? <laughs> yeah, uh, there are. I can play Cordero Patterson. Actually, Detroit's defense has been fluctuating between average and below average, whereas we kind of thought that they would be among the absolute worst in the NFL when we began the year. Still, I can play strong players with high usage against them, and Patterson definitely fits that mold. Why not Pro Bowler Kyle Pitts, right? He actually has a projection ahead of salary-based expectations at 5,800, so he's not the worst play. Same with Russell Gage, actually. No nothing really jumps off the page, and I'm certainly not playing a ton of game stacks here if I'm just making five to ten lineups in a week. But as one-offs, I actually think Patterson, Pitts, and Gage against this Detroit defense who's not scaring anybody kind of makes sense. Really? You're probably I think right. It's the worst. Not even the pro bowler. <laughs> I mean, we got he needs like a 17, 18 point game for you know, to be a, considered a really strong value. So I want nothing to do with it. He probably needs a touchdown in 100 yards, which that's rare, but not impossible. I'm good. I'm, I'm generally with you here. Patterson's the only interesting one to me if his ownership, if his ownership just bottoms out throughout the week, right? Like if his ownership bottoms out throughout the week because all of these other players are popping up as good value, Patterson actually makes sense. Let's not ignore the fact that they got smoked last week. Tough San Francisco run defense as well. Carolina, they beat them. He wasn't super efficient, but he still had 16 carries, got in the end zone. He's getting the goal line looks. Tampa Bay, what do you expect there? Still averaged six yards per carry, but no touchdowns. Last really good game was four weeks ago against Jacksonville where he went off, absolutely erupted. So... Patterson would be the one guy against this Detroit team that, that I'm willing to consider just as a, as a tournament pivot. And I think we will see his ownership come down um, as more news breaks, not to mention that Alexander Madison is the same price. So we'll yeah, see. that's a good point. And I will say one of the reasons I'm looking at this game, maybe a little bit more bullishly than you is that this sort of triggers my, this, this game has a possible shootout potential because these are defenses that are so bad that they allow the opposing poor offense longer and more sustained drives because of their deficiencies on defense. Both Detroit and Atlanta are so bad that this could possibly sure. turn into a sneaky shootout at 
just a 44 point total. I think I misheard you earlier. I thought you said that you would be okay with not playing anyone from Atlanta. Oh no, I said I would I would be okay playing anyone from the oh, big three as oh, a one-off. Okay. Okay. Glad so I should have said even the pro bowler. That's yeah, correct. I got you. Okay. Yeah, Patterson Gage. I get it. Patterson would be my favorite, but yeah, this game either goes like ten like fourteen to ten or or potentially shoots out. You need Jared Goff for a shootout. I'm telling you, it's not gonna happen with Tim Boyle. It's just not gonna happen. Jacksonville, New York Jets. Let's talk about it, Matt. Jaguars. This is a pick'em. A pick'em. No, it can't can't even can't even catch a favorite against the Jets. It's bad. Both teams are bad. Jaguars coming off an embarrassing loss once again to the Houston Texans. I don't know what to make of these teams anymore outside of James Robinson's a pretty good play. Uh, and I'll continue to target him at sub 6K, which is a stupid price point. And you know what? Maybe you're different. I, I know sometimes you like to take some shots here. I just want nothing to do with the pass. We keep chasing this passing game. And week after week, they are worse than the week before. And they're just, it's awful, man. It's awful. Well, I'm just, I'm going to have to reevaluate James Robinson as a top option in the, among running backs with Dalvin Cook now out. Because when we have chalk free square running backs that it looked like this week was opening up, usually what I then do is pair two of them with a lock it in premium salary running back as well, especially if you're playing on FanDuel, a half PPR platform. But now that Cook is out, I almost wonder if James Robinson at 5,900 with the guaranteed touches against the absolute worst defense in the NFL by a mile becomes that lock it in option, even though his salary is not premier tier, not at all. So I just think the matchup is good enough for James Robinson. And seriously, I might not have anything else from this entire game. I'm with you. I don't think you need to have any Jets. If you want to take shots on players like Marvin Jones or LaVishka Chenault or Laquan Treadwell, who has seen a little more work, fine. But Trevor Lawrence isn't throwing touchdowns. And I get it. It's the Jets. But I would just give the ball to James Robinson 25 times and get out of there. What would be hilarious, though, is if the Jaguars win this game and play themselves out of the top spot in the way that the Jets did to them a year ago. That would be great. That'd be fun. Uh, the Jets defense, the secondary is so bad that I understand the natural inclination, inclination, right? That natural urge to go, well, I got to get something from the passing game from Jacksonville. You really don't. You don't have, you don't have to do it. I'm telling you right now, there are so many good spots. Chenault may not play. He's dealing with multiple injuries. He didn't practice yesterday. We'll see. So yeah, will that open things up for Marvin Jones? I, I guess, but does it matter at this point? Seriously, does it matter? Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown a touchdown since probably before my daughter was born in March. <laughs> like it, he was wearing he was wearing Clemson colors. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> it's he's thrown nine touchdowns on the year. He's thrown one touchdown since week nine. Get Since out of here. week nine, he's thrown one touchdown. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's thrown six touchdowns since week two. Yeah, I know, because he had that three-touchdown three game against Houston. It's crazy. So, yeah, keep that in mind. The guy has 
not thrown multiple touchdowns in a game since week one. He has thrown zero touchdowns in a game uh, in three straight and one, two, three, four, five, six of his last seven. I Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And I'm good on the Jets, too. I'm good, Matt. I'm trying to think or trying to look and see if we have anyone. We technically have Crowder as a value at wide receiver 27 5k i guess you could go there barrios he had 10 targets two weeks ago and then doesn't really get usage but gets a rush and ends up scoring a touchdown if you're going to denzel mims you're a braver person than me same with keelan cole i guess keelan cole is the one that we look at it as a top 40 in terms of our projection wide receiver but he's wide receiver 63 3.3k so if you need a a 3K option against a mediocre defense, fine. Keelan Cole, not exciting. Zach Wilson has thrown zero touchdowns in five of his last six starts. Just get this me away get from here, Matt. Far away. <laughs> get me out of here. Let's talk about another game. because It's not even the lowest total game on the slate. I can't believe it. No, it's not. It's because Mike Glennon isn't great either. <laughs> The Mike Glennon-led New York Giants headed into Lincoln Financial Field where fans throw batteries at Santa Claus and snowballs at Sa- and defecate from the 700 level in the vet on unsuspecting Cowboys fans below. There's no reports of that, but I guarantee it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I just... No, do you not remember the story? Classic. Do you not remember this? Did you hear the story about the uh, the Phillies fan that, that vomited all over this kid and his mom at Citizens Bank Park several years ago? I do like intentionally remember this story. That's that's heinous. That is the correct word. <laughs> I like I love Philly fans, man. We're they're my people. But yeah, it's <laughs> anyway, they're traveling the, the Philly. There's a big rivalry. It doesn't matter who is at the helm. And I got to say, Nick Sirianni just tested positive for COVID. It, you hope you don't have that spread like wild Omicron spread like wildfire because they only have five days. They played yeah. Tuesday and then they play Sunday. I bet the league won't move the game for them, Matt. Yeah, they they want to get back on schedule. You know that. I'm going to yeah. give credit here where it's due and – you know, Jalen Hurts, the, the Philadelphia Eagles came into that game against Washington, who obviously was depleted due to COVID. You know, they're starting Garrett Gilbert at quarterback, but they held their own in the first half. Credit to Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia offense for scoring that late touchdown in the first half and then not looking back in the second half, closing out the game like they should have here. I would like to see more of that here. Uh, Jalen Hurts does come up as a solid projection compared to salary-based expectation. We can go to Miles Sanders, although the man does not score touchdowns. He is clearly good enough to score touchdowns, but just oh, is, not, is not given the opportunity to do so. Still, when I look at his projected usage, I kind of like him better than Devonta Smith. Um, so for me, it's Sanders and then the, the uh, stack of Hurts and Goddard I can absolutely go to. Devonta Smith, for me, is the harder one at 6K. I don't think he's going to get the usage. In a tournament, fine, you can play him, but to me, it's uh, Goddard. Yeah. Hurts, a little bit of Sanders. No Goddard, huh? 
Goddard is out as well. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Did you oh. you say that the guys you were playing are just Hertz and Sanders? I almost freaked out. Like I had to redo it. No, I am playing Goddard. I oh, am okay. I'm Goddard. sorry. I misheard that. I, okay. Yeah, Goddard has looked very good recently. Last last game with Hertz. The game before that with with Garner Minshew. He had a horrible, he had two really bad drops in that last game. One right in his hands, dropped it, went off of his heel and was intercepted. And no one even knew it until after the fact. But he still had a, a huge game. Uh, he's still a monster in the red zone. I like Goddard this week. No problems there. Obviously pay attention to salary across the industry. Tight ends, certain tight ends can get weird in pricing. Like Goddard's one of those. Some places just way more expensive than elsewhere. And with Sanders, listen, Miles Sanders has now gotten 24 and 18 carries over the last two weeks. If this game by some miracle for, for the Giants stays competitive, they're 10-point dogs, and it could. They were big dogs, and they beat the Eagles last time. But if it does, Sanders is going to be in there for the fourth quarter and late in the third. They asked him after that game, I think it was Mike, Gar- uh, Mike Garofolo. Mike Garof- is it Garofolo or Garofolo? Garofolo? I thought it was Garofolo. It is, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, he asked him post-game on Tuesday, you know, hey, what was the reason for Howard getting all that work? Is it just, you know, you guys are both having solid games? And he's like, yeah, but really, I'm just banged up and dealing with some injuries. So at that rate, Sirianni knew that he could give it to, to Howard. But through the first half of that game, it was all Miles Sanders. So um, – if it's close, Miles Sanders is getting over 20 carries again. He now has 20-plus touches in back-to-back games. Assuming he's healthy, no setbacks, not limited, I think he's perfectly fine. But he will become less appealing the more things open up. You already have um, Madison, but even not in that. You already have uh, James Robinson is a big one. What happens with Eckler? There's uh, If Damian Harris is out, you have Ramadre Stevenson, who you know will get the goal line work and doesn't have a rushing quarterback. Jalen Hurts takes a lot away from a touchdown equity standpoint for Miles Sanders, and that really hurts him. He's going to need to break one. So for me, Matt, I'll put it this way. Ownership for Sanders is huge for me. If he's 4% owned, I love it. If he's 10 11% owned, I don't think I want to – or higher, I don't, I don't think I'll need to get there too much at least. I think that's a great point, but because of the free squares opening up as we speak on this show – I actually think right now, I think he's at 9% projected ownership. I think that gets cut at least in half by Sunday. So do I. So do I. Absolutely. And that'll make it more appealing. I, um, I'll keep this very simple with you. I don't even want Saquon Barkley this week. I think this offense is completely rudderless. And we just talked about a thousand other running backs, many of whom won't be high owned. Mike Glennon starting at quarterback, Sterling Shepard on the IR. I'm I'm off of the Giants as I'm off of the Jets, but I assume you may have a little interest in Saquon Barkley. I can't believe I'm saying this. Every single New York Giants player has a projection worse than salary-based expectations. Well, we know your decision then. Every single one. I, I I'm shocked. That's shocking. That's crazy. So yeah. for someone that that uses that stat often, is it is it uncommon that you'd see something like this? 
Oh, a hundred percent. Usually we'll see something where like, because I still get into the weeds here where it really doesn't matter, right? If you're quibbling over 3.4K or 3.3K, you also have a lot of ties, but still like those players have a technical ranking, say wide receiver 63, I'm making that up. So if they're wide receiver 55 in our projections, they're technically a value compared to their salary-based expectations. We see that zero times when you compare projection ranking to salary ranking for the New York Giants this week. I love what Amatulsado is doing. He's adding an extra shot emoji for each time it's set. I feel like, well, you just said it a sixth time, so he's got to add a six, but I feel like you've definitely said it more than six times. Well, he's going slow because he's going to be with his, some some of us are going to be with their family in the middle of the day, these this two days before Christmas and trying to pull it together after six I wonder if he's actually doing this. Someone out there is, you know it. Yeah, that'd be epic though if he's really ripping these shots. Well, every time you it's say like that. the K meter on the on the yeah. <laughs> in baseball. That'd be great. All right. Um that was easy, huh? All right. Yeah, sometimes it's that simple. <laughs> That's why I don't mind spending time a little bit longer on on the the good games, you know, the interesting ones. Because the Giants jags jets there's just not a lot to talk about but there is always something to talk about when it comes to inducting our favorite people into the awesome hall of fame once you're in you're in for good and we love you for it all you got to do if you want to get in on this not only that not only get inducted into the hall of fame we do it on all of our shows but also get a free month of awesome plus platinum 90 dollars value baby all you do is go to awesome.com slash avatar, download it, Yahoo, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever site you're playing on. You finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more. Granted, it doesn't have to be the milli. It could be a nickel entry. It could be the quarter arcade. I don't care. As long as it's top three in a field of 5,000 or more, tweet us at awesome, H-O-F. That's awesome, Hall of Fame. Include Matt and myself in it as well, because we enjoy seeing this stuff. We like seeing you get the love. Uh, and we will give you that free month of awesome plus platinum. Not only that, that you get inducted and we're going to do it right now kick it off with the prospect chase christmas came early this year this made me happy signed up for awesome on the 30th of november matt and took down 50k less than a month later get that? out that is awesome how about That's that fantastic yeah congrats man christmas did come early that's a huge win you love to see it out of forty-six thousand people and oh did I mention it was one entry of $7.77? One single. Unbelievable. Hey, congrats, And then you've got man. David Burton. This guy wins a good amount, too. Paid me my money, DFS. Sounds like he may have uh, jacked that from uh, shit my money. If not, great minds think alike, I guess. Nice Sunday afternoon slate. I forgot to post. Good stuff, man. Bad Santa. Oh, what a name, too. $3,000. And then you've got, oh, it's trouble. Crack top three on the Monday, Tuesday, $2 single entry. What contest should I run it up with tonight in the NBA? Congrats, man. Like I said, top three doesn't matter how much it is. I'm assuming. Actually, that can't be top three. That's cool. Congrats anyway, Tater. You watch Yellowstone, Tater? I don't. I don't. You don't? I've heard great things. I probably should watch it. Yeah, you guys watch and will recognize it. Yeah, Tater. And then Aton Shander. How about Aton? Odd Shoppers 100% free. Those were built using the sorting tool by expected win rate. 
They even have parlay bets built for you like that second one in here. I've been using the parlay builder. I've smashed a couple of those recently. Uh, massive odds. Really happy to use that. Oddshopper.com. Uh, and then Dave DeRemmer, another awesome parlay. There you go. Parlay builder. I'm telling you the parlay builder is so sick over there. If you aren't an awesome most subscriber, you're losing money. Seriously, $100 in the 544. Congrats, man. That was a big one. Um, and I know that was the same one that I was on because it was actually a five pick. Maybe I'm wrong, Dave. You can tell me. They turned into a three pick because two of the NBA players got COVID protocoled right before the game started. But we still hit the three of five that were left. And you'll take that any day of the week. Congrats to all of you. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. You remain here forever until the day you die. And after that as well. All right, Jordan, why do you act so surprised when I say this? I say this stuff all of the time. That is one of the most tame things I've ever said. You should, everyone should see his eyes. He's like, I, yeah, that was, that was nothing. All right, Matt, you ready to kick off these three final games? Let's do it. This one's got, this one's got some wild news too. This first one. Oh God, you're right. Pittsburgh, Kansas city. You got the Steelers on the road. Arrowhead Stadium, Matt. Pat Fryer dealing with a concussion. That's really the only thing for the Steelers right now that I'm worried about. We'll get to Kansas City momentarily. Do you like anything for Pittsburgh? I I do. I do. Especially if Kansas City is able to move the ball offensively whatsoever, then they're then Pittsburgh is going to have to keep pace. And we know, especially if Fryermuth is out where the ball is probably going to be going. I am going to Deontay Johnson in terms of expected fantasy points, in terms of targets per game. No receiver, well, only two receivers total on this slate look better than Deontay Johnson right now. 18.9 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks is third best in the NFL. Najee Harris is second best among running backs in expected fantasy points per game during that same span. And Chase Claypool is 20th among wide receivers. Certainly far from unplayable here. Concentrated offense playing the Chiefs. You can always go with one of those big three options uh, as one-offs. I'm probably not getting to the stack of Ben Roethlisberger and one of those players, though. 12th in our top stack value rankings. You know, we saw we saw Ben Roethlisberger have a, a half against the Vikings two weeks ago, sort of like what we used to see for a ceiling game from Ben Mo Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think that's really in the cards for a full game performance for Big Ben this year. I agree with you. De uh, Deontay Johnson's the one guy that I like quite a bit here because of just the overall volume of of targets. So there's that. But I guess at the same time, would you rather not just pay up for Keenan Allen a couple hundred dollars more? If Eckler's out, I think I would. Um, you know, Jefferson, even getting up to Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase against Baltimore, I think is a really exciting play. So I don't dislike Deontay Johnson, but I don't love him either, Matt. And I think there's a lot of good high-priced wide receivers this week. I agree. I agree. The one place I will maybe take some shots if Kelsey and Hill do not clear protocols. Najee. Maybe a little. Well, I was actually going to say Steelers defense. In oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I think Najee becomes a lot more appealing though, too, because you're, because I just think the game stays a lot closer if Hill and Kelsey are out. 
but I think that makes a lot of sense, and we don't have a lot of high price running backs to pay up for anymore. You don't, Dalvin Cook. Man, every time I get an alert, I'm just always checking to make sure it's not another key player getting axed for this slate. Kansas City, though, Matt Tyreek Hill, he could play. Uh, Travis Kelsey. He could play, but with this COVID-19 stuff, it's super weird because it's not like, oh, he got in a limited practice. It's, can he get activated by Sunday? And yep. that's what makes this really difficult. If they play, let, let's do, let's, if they play, what are you doing? And if they don't play, where are you going? So if they play, you can bet on the Chiefs having a strong game if you would like to in a particular lineup the Steelers are not a great defense this year in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed they are bottom 10 in the NFL this season to opposing offenses yes they're a little bit more of a run funnel than a pass funnel in fact their run defense has been downright atrocious over the last six weeks but the Chiefs are a different story they they can get the job done offensively in the ways that they want to I will take some shots at the running backs, regardless of whether Hill and Kelsey are in. But I think the shootout potential just goes way, way down if they're out. That really is what it is. The Steelers can win the game 19 to 13, like they beat the Titans last week, which isn't great for DFS at all. I will say, if Patrick Mahomes is still playing and Hill and Kelsey are out as well, I will take a couple shots on Miko Hardman and Byron Pringle. I don't think they're the worst calls ever because the Steelers defense isn't something that I'm staying away from, but it could be, you could make an argument that you just stay away from this entire game besides maybe Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris because of the volume. If those two players are out. If they're out, I think you make a very good point. You could still get to some of these guys, but the stack is far less enticing. Now, one might say, well, yeah, but Lafayette, I thought you said you you like the Steelers stack, even if Evans, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> the Bucks stack, even if Evans is out. Yeah, but Antonio Brown is just like a legitimately established many years top overall wide receiver who still has something left in the tank. Gronk is still good. It's different. But I do think that getting the Pringle is solid. Uh, getting to even Hardman is solid. But to your point, again, to put a bow on this game, it's a good one. Maybe you're one-offing and you're not looking to just load up on stacks here. That that feels like this would be a low-scoring game, especially from a Kansas City offense that on, on more times than not recently has actually struggled to move the football. So um, I'm with you on that. But you, you'd have to get some value in Kansas City if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. You just at, at their prices, you would have to you'd have to sprinkle some of that in for sure. I'm just so annoyed because it felt like that that fourth quarter the second half really of the chiefs game and then overtime obviously it just felt like oh look at the chiefs just doing chiefs things again kelsey in the open field just nobody touches him on that 35 yard run just it it looked like they had just rounded a corner boom only for it to be locked down here and i think i want to mention too a great point from cutler commentary or excuse me color commentary in our uh in our chat here thing to consider with COVID-19 as well is that they'll activate guys and still limit or sit them if the game script goes well without because they missed install day they missed the game planning part of the week so yes they are players obviously but if things are going all right 
that's a great point. They'll just go back to the game plan that they installed earlier in the week. Yeah, it's possible with with Hill and Kelsey. I don't think you would see that, but maybe I'm wrong. I think I think they are an exception, but I think it's still a good general point. Oh yeah, yeah. In general, I agree. Pringles thirty three hundred, Hardman's thirty five hundred. If the if, if those guys are out, you kind of just know what to do. Uh, hopefully, one of them is better than. Hopefully, one of them comes through, and you and you get the right one. Now, I, I I will say though, the run game becomes really appealing, in in whole as a whole, individually, it becomes a little bit more difficult to decipher, because. Daryl Williams still saw five carries last week. You say, yeah, but Lafayette, that's only five carries. Yeah, I get it. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire only saw nine. So he did see four targets. That was encouraging. Daryl Williams only targeted once after coming off a three, uh, multiple three-plus target games. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be my guy. But again, Matt, that falls into that same mid-to-high 5K territory that we've been talking about with so many running backs already. It's, it's loaded right now if they don't play. Yep. He'll be a great tournament option because other there are clearer options at that salary point for running back. Chicago and Seattle. Oh God, what have we gotten ourselves into, brother? Six <laughs> getting ugly at the end here. Yes, yeah, it is. Chicago six and a half point dogs, forty three point total. I lose my voice doing shows for games like this, Matt. I, the Bears are uh, not good. They scored three points last game. Don't tell me they scored nine. They scored three points. Scored nine on that final touchdown as time expired. They didn't even kick an extra point. That tells you how meaningful that crap was. I I don't I don't like this team. And and let me let me go one further before you say you like David Montgomery. And I don't know if you do, but before you say that you do, just keep in mind there are an insane amount of running backs in this spot that aren't touchdown dogs on the road playing in a tough atmosphere like Seattle. Floor's yours. Wow. I mean, you put a damper on it, but it's still I knew it was Seattle's coming. defense is a pat, is a run funnel defense. They're bottom 10 in the NFL and schedule adjusted fantasy points. He's a top seven running back in our projections and he's running back 12 in salary. He's even running back three in terms of expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. David Montgomery fits the bill of a value play in the way that I analyze slates. I get your point, nonetheless. I'm not going to say it's wrong. I think Seattle could steamroll a Chicago team that just it just doesn't show up week in and week out. So I, I get that I'm chasing volume on a bad team here. But Montgomery does look like the bright spot on a team where I really don't know if I'm excited about much else, like, yay, Cole Komet got 10 fantasy points last week. Do I need to celebrate that? Like, I need to play him in tournaments now? Like, Darnell Mooney disappears week, you know, some some weeks. So, if I'm going to anyone, it's David Montgomery in this offense. I totally get it. That's why I brought him up first, because there's nobody else you want to talk about. And he is pulling ownership. Like, he is one of the higher-owned players on the slate right now. It, it all makes sense. I'm not... I'm not um, ignorant to the fact that Montgomery is a perfectly fine play. It's just this offense is so bad, man. Horrible, horrible offense. I might just start making decisions based on what's the touchdown equity look like. I mean, how likely is it that they can actually make multiple red zone trips and give these guys some good opportunities? You're going to have to have some tiebreakers this week, Matt, among those running backs in that range. 
I get it. I, I And probably for cash, there's no need to get there anymore from a player like Montgomery. The game environment just isn't good enough. But at the very least, Chicago, bad overall offense, 27th in offensive points score or play this year. But they are 7th in yards per rush attempt. I know. Hey, what are you doing on the other side with Seattle? What a mess this team is. And I swear DK Metcalf, I want to say he's still not healthy. Right? That's what I was saying last week. Go back and look at some of those balls that Wilson was throwing at. Those were awful footballs to DK Metcalf. Completely uncatchable. So even you know if Lockett... didn't think... Go, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. It, it, I don't think he was unhealthy because the Rams certainly didn't. And they were sticking Jalen Ramsey on him most of the night. And yeah. that's... But even when that... he got separation, Russell Wilson missed him. He's showing up in that breakout receiver model I mentioned earlier as well. So I'm going to take some shots at DK Metcalf. It looks like Tyler Lockett should be available for this one. Hey, Russell Wilson is sixth in our top stack value rankings. That is not 16th, but he does have a significantly lower percentage than the top options. The Chicago defense is another one where they are right at league average. They're not... They're not swaying my projections for Seattle all that much, but the inconsistency of their play is the big thing for me. So if you get, you know, another week of chalk with Shad Penny, I guess he could go there. Again, we really don't need 5,500 running backs on this slate. We don't need more. So I actually, I actually think this, the big two in Lockett and Metcalf look solid to me. Metcalf's 12% ownership though. That's, that's getting up there. It is. How many of these secondary players for Chicago are going to be back? They were all yeah. out last game. They were all out. So I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. I hate this Seattle team right now. And I'll leave it to you, Matt. <laughs> like it, Matt, that, I mean, that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah, ultimately, you know, they are still eighth in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, their league average in points scored per play. They have non-zero shoot. They create non-zero shootout potential. I'll say that. But with the inconsistency of Russell Wilson compared to the typical efficiency of Russell Wilson, it just kind of takes the wind out of the sails. I probably go with Lockett since he's lower owned, to be honest. So one thing on odd shopper I wanted to hit on before we go. It doesn't feel good, but it's happening. And I got in on it yesterday. So far, it looks like I've made the right move because the odds have swung pretty heavily in my favor. I got in. It doesn't mean you're going to win it, right? It just mean I got in at Cortland Sutton over two and a half receptions at plus 145. And the reason I did that is because well, first of all, it was in our parlay builder, and I threw it in a parlay, in the exact parlay for the prop party parlay over at Odd Shopper. I loved the parlay. We already hit one yesterday. Now we're going into the, the NFL week. But also, and, and not just because, expected ROI is 25%, 61% expected win rate, all good numbers across the board, everything at Odd Shopper, totally free. But because Drew Locke loves targeting Cortland Sutton, and he loves... Well, he loves the deep ball. He loves throwing deep. And he targeted him a lot after Bridgewater went down last game. They just couldn't connect. They came in, he came in cold. 
I think I think Sutton gets over two and a half receptions for sure this week. I bet it uh, single. I bet it in a parlay. I don't want him for tournaments. I don't want him for DFS. I don't really want this passing game. But if I'm getting a piece of this game, it is going to be the over on Sutton receptions and receiving yards at 27 and a half over there uh, using Odd Shopper to get that. What are you doing with Denver? I dig that call a lot, especially because we know that just the nature of Drew Locke's play is different than Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater is a more conservative quarterback in general. Drew Locke, especially playing for a theoretical job next year, look for him to come out slinging it, trying to impress someone, especially against a Las Vegas defense that ranks third worst in the NFL in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense that Locke, his big shift is in how often he targets Cortland Sutton or how often he targets players in the in the Denver offense downfield more so than Teddy Bridgewater really interested to see the differences in the average depth of target after a game or more of sample here I will have some Noah Fant as well just because the matchup is good enough he's 4.4k that's not bad but the expected fantasy points unimpressive 7.5 per game over the last six weeks for Fant and it's really the same with Jerry Judy it's been Pretty darn unimpressive since coming back from IR. He had that huge game one, got hurt, and it feels like Judy disappeared since that point this season. Probably don't have to prioritize Javante Williams at that 6,100 salary. He's a large field tournament play only with so many solid options lower in salary this week. Same thing with Melvin Gordon. Both players are priced up for a great matchup when we just have better players with more projected volume and equally good matchups in the same salary tier. Anything else for Denver? I guess he could take a shot at Drew Locke. He's right at QB 20 while his salary is also QB 20, but that's, that's really it for me. Let's wrap it up with the Vegas Raiders. This is all we got left. And again, shout out to Jordan Klein. Wish them, wish this fella a Merry Christmas because you celebrate Christmas, Jordan. Yeah, he celebrates Christmas. You never know. You never <laughs> yeah, know. we appreciate you, Jordan. And guys, if you are if you're listening or watching, we will also be back tomorrow for a Saturday slate edition of the strategy show as well. So we got right you covered. That's right. I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned odd shopper because I was looking at some of the bets here for the running backs after this, you know, the slate was changing already. And now with this Dalvin cook news, one of the other bets that we have, we're pretty bullish on is Josh Jacobs rushing props. Still, I don't think the books have totally adjusted for the fact that he's the number one back by a long shot in this offense. We're seeing a pretty solid expected win rate on over 53 and a half rush yards. We haven't projected for nearly 65 rush yards in our latest run of projections. I'm not saying he's a superb option. Again, this 6K salary tier of running backs is chock full of value plays, but I think Jacobs is a fine, a fine option. And if you want to go to the passing attack with Derek Carr and Darren Waller possibly back, maybe even Hunter Renfro, you can. I just think what you really are, what you're really hoping for is Derek Carr has another 300 yard, three touchdown day, which he really only does when he's playing from behind. I don't have a lot of faith in Denver creating a game environment like that. I don't either. This is not a fun team. If anywhere I'm going, it would be Jacobs just because 
and he's dealing with an illness, so pay attention. Maybe that opens something up. Kenyon Drake is is obviously out as well. So maybe maybe you get more value. There's going to be a lot of value this week. Just prepare for that. Be there for our our, our Sunday strategy, our Sunday live before lock. It's four and a half hours. Starts with the betting show, 30 minutes of that. And then the tournament strategy show, the deeper dive live before lock, all of that. I mean, there's no other place to be. And it'll be the day after Christmas. We'll all feel like shit. We'll be hungover. We'll wish we didn't eat all that, but we're still playing DFS. We're still getting that NFL action in. So, hey, if I don't see any of you, if you're not with us throughout the week, have a great Christmas. Stay safe. And, uh, oh, yeah, hit that thumbs up button. Now, Matt and I will be back with you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern, bright and early, Saturday strategy matchup show. For those of you that won't be around on Christmas Day, lock those lineups in. Pay a little bit of attention. Maybe put your Twitter notifications on in case news breaks. You can pull over on the side of I-95 on the shoulder and, and adjust those lineups. But for now, we'll catch you back here in the morning. And, of course, tonight for Thursday Night Football, we'll see you on Live Before Lock at 7.15. Peace. See ya.